Hi everyone and welcome to another saunter with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. It is my massive privilege to spend this time with you today and my hope is that we'll both be really inspired by spending time together and fall in love a little bit more with Jesus today. Hi everyone and welcome to my brand new mini-series which is called Friend of God and we're just going to look at this incredible concept that somehow a human being might be considered to be a friend of God and just straight off the bat the moment I start to think about these things my mind is completely boggled and when you consider the vastness of space and ponder the remoteness of the furthest stars and you hear astronomers talk on tv about how they track radio signals from some distant galaxy somewhere out there that they can't even see and they can pick up these radio signals and how they work out the distance of stars by seeing how the colour changes over six months and this kind of thing and it's just ah oh, utterly mind-boggling because you realise just how vanishingly small the planet we actually live on is and how therefore tiny teeny tiny 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 little cosmic dust particles almost that we human beings are and yet for us we live lives that are full of events and happenings and we're constantly there's this desire for it to mean something and there's something kind of bleak and barren about this idea that somehow we're just accidentally here and the Stephen Hawking idea that nothing caused the universe to come into being and it was made from nothing and you know it had no reason and it was ah it's it's just very empty and there's this sense inside the the human heart really that actually we're put here for a reason and somehow this must make sense it my, my life must somehow have some kind of meaning and when we read the bible we realize that actually right on those very first pages in a kind of narrative form a story form we have an origin story of the human race that it tells us that God in his amazing creativity and amazing wisdom decided to make human beings for himself and they were going to be modelled on himself presumably not physically but in some way they would be so like him that he could enter into a relationship with them and then we read about these very first human beings that God made living in this beautiful environment that he'd created for their pleasure and for their benefit. And he makes himself available and accessible to these human beings and meets and has a relationship with them day by day where they walk and talk. And the mind boggles. The more you know about science and the universe and everything else like that, the more the possibility that a being who could create that could somehow also make themselves available and accessible 
and knowable by us is uh, is utterly mind-boggling and so we we read the bible and we see that it is literally full of biographies of people who knew god in some way or another and let's let's just assume that the sum of all their knowledge if we and all human knowledge of god that exists today and throughout all of history is still only small compared to his vastness and greatness let's just start with that assumption that he is very much beyond us and yet somehow he wants us to have relationship with him and pursue relationship with him so if we dive in and we start from the new testament we we read jesus gathers 12 men to be with him and literally just to hang out with him and they that's what they do for three years they spend time together they watch him do extraordinary things and say extraordinary things and they track around the countryside with him and presumably sleep on the verge or in a field or in a shed or something like this en route they traveled lots and lots of miles on foot and at what on one occasion he says to them listen guys you are not my servants anymore, but you're my friends because actually a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I want to tell you what I am doing. I want to share those things with you. And there was there were three guys in particular that seemed to be selected by Jesus for his special ops, and he called him out to do certain particular functions that the others weren't invited to participate in. And... So we have Peter, James and John seem to be that three that Jesus would take with him to go and do particular things. And out of those three, there's one there called John who is, he calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. And so he had this idea of himself that somehow he was Jesus's favourite. And I love that, that he he's not ashamed to put that down in his writing to actually put it down for all time really for us to to read and just just kind of reflect on what he meant by that but there's John and actually the amazing thing about John was that he was probably about the age of 18 when Jesus called him and prior to that he'd um, been a fisherman's son and grown up in the fishing business and operated with his brother James who was also called by Jesus to be a disciple and they leave their fishing nets, they follow Jesus, and John becomes like Jesus is one of Jesus's special best friends. And that to me is absolutely mind blowing. We see stories of Jesus sitting at the table and John sitting next to him and just kind of leaning back against Jesus and resting his head on him. And it's very, very intimate and kind of close. And then we read, if we go back into the Old Testament, which is very, very rich in stories of people's kind of relationship with God, we see other young guys who were really young. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet by God when he was about 18. <laughs> Excuse me. We have Daniel, who was taken captive, but be, was an incredibly close, in very close relationship with God and heard the voice of God and God spoke to him in most incredibly profound ways and yet he was only a very young man when he was taken captive by the Babylonians and but 
One standout guy in the Old Testament that has to get a mention is David. And I just want to pick up on some things here because there is no lower age limit for us in pursuing relationship with God. And anecdotally, we have lots and lots of stories throughout history of people, of children who've seen visions, who've had um, prophetic words and all kinds of revelations from God, even when they're quite small. And it would seem that David was the youngest of the family and was left to manage the sheep, which I guess was a job that he could be given to do. He would go out on the hillside and we know that whilst he was out there alone with the sheep, he took his harp and began to sing and make music to God, which became the precursor, I guess, to what we now have in churches all over the world, where music is very much part of our worship that we offer to God. And so David wrote these songs on his harp and we still have them written down. Many of them are written down in the book of Psalms in the Bible. And But David wasn't just a mystic who got out there and sang lovely songs and had kind of mystical experiences. He experienced real genuine hardship and real genuine peril. And as part of his job, sometimes he had to defend his flock from wild animals and we know that he was confronted by a lion and a bear on different occasions but each time because he had this confidence in God he could go after those animals take them down rescue the lamb or the sheep that had been snatched away by this predator and so what David does is he builds up an anthology of stories of his own of God dealing with him and helping him and so if you're a young person or a new believer and this whole thing of relationship with God is a bit of a mystery I would love to challenge you to begin to go after God in the way David did so number one pursue him by having developing a relationship where you spend time just enjoying him like David did with his harp find a way that you can begin to connect with God in worship but also begin to go on this adventure with God and start collecting your own anthology of adventure stories um, of how God has helped you so start to put him to the test and if you feel you sense he's kind of prompting you to take a particular course of action do it step out in that kind of realm of unknown here we go this is uncertain what could happen anything could happen I hope God is real I hope he's there Lord if you're real please help me today because I'm stepping out in what I believe to be faith keep a record of what you do and write it down in a little pad or something and then just watch out for the results and see how and begin to chart your progress because the, here, here's the here's the thing with David right so he's had these moments so he's taken down the lion he's taken down the bear and he's he's put his faith to the test in a real life challenging situation and there's plenty of those that will come your way if you're serious about 
having a relationship with God, you'll get plenty of real life challenges. And so along comes the lion, along comes the bear. David takes them down, but that is then stored away in his heart and his mind. And that becomes part of his personal history with God. And then one day he finds himself in a situation where he's gone to visit his brothers who are in the army and they're being humiliated every single day by this Philistine champion called Goliath. And Goliath is a giant. He's a monster of a man and he towers above the um, Israelite army and mocks them and says, come on, you pansies, get up and fight. And it's, it's like the, the, he's taunting them and he's, he's saying, you guys bring one champion out to face me and whoever wins the battle, win, whoever wins that personal combat, one-to-one um, -one combat, will win the whole battle. And so if the Philistine champion, that is me, ho, 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 if we win, then we dominate you, we control you, you pay us taxes and duties and we enslave you, etc. But if your champion beats me, highly unlikely, um then we'll be your servants and you can dominate us and control us. So David sees this mockery going on every day and he's like, does no one want to stand up to this giant? Bear in mind, David's a boy still. He's only a young teenager. So he sees this thing, but in his heart, he's got the heart of a warrior and of a champion because he's already had that experience of going into the scary realm with God, that unknown realm where literally it's just me and God. We're alone. Lord, if you don't help me, this lion's going to eat me. And so that's, so he's got that personal history. He's got his anthology of stories and he's ready. So he, he just thinks, right, this is just another threat to me, another threat to God's people. And I believe God's big enough. If God can beat a lion and a bear, I'm sure he can beat Goliath. And so we have the incredible story where after some negotiation with the king, David gets to go out and face Goliath with just a sling, slingshot and five smooth pebbles from the little brook nearby. And he just swings the first stone at the giant, hits him square between the eyes and bam, down he comes. So incredible but what David's done is he's used his history to affect his future and he's he's taken this history with God and said right now I'm going to move forwards and affect my future because I have this confidence because I've had these experiences with God already and so as a young person or a new believer don't wait for some magical, mystical moment when the trumpets all sound in heaven and you get this amazing call and a bright light and everything to start your journey with God. Start it now and begin to collect your own stories and collect your own, create your own anthology of adventure stories, if you like. So by all means, sit down with your guitar and a notebook and write songs write down your reflections and meditations on God, all good. Develop that inner life as well, but don't hold back from taking the bold move and the big steps. And so, um, <laughs> like, 
have some fun. Like, say to God, right, okay, if you're my provider, I want to see you provide me with hard currency. And so God, we know that God loves a cheerful giver. We know that he blesses the generous and those who are generous with their money. So have keep a record. Give, give your money away and say, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to provide money back for me. I'm going to put myself in a financially vulnerable situation by generosity, trusting that you're going to be generous back to me and give me enough. Just take him at his promise and because he he encourages us to test him in these things in particularly with money test him so right now i'm going to just go into a slightly interesting little detour in ecclesiastes chapter 12 it says remember your creator in the days of your youth and what he's saying is there's going to come a time when life is not much fun for you uh, because age has caught up with you that then is too late to start seeking God. It may You may still have all of your marbles intact when you're 90, but even so, better to seek God when you're a young person, to go after him and make him your goal as a young person. I, I began following Jesus from, I can't even remember how young I was really, but I was going to Sunday school age two, and my Sunday school teacher taught us a little song saying, I'm not too young to come to Jesus, for he loves a little child. I know I was five years old when I consciously invited Jesus into my life. But then my life has been a journey of growing and learning and taking steps of faith and walking with him and acts of obedience to his word and trying to set myself apart for him to belong to him. Right. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 to 23. It says it is good for a man to bear the yoke while he's young. It's actually it's a really interesting and challenging word because Jesus says come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and he says actually you can learn what it's like to be kind of harnessed up with me and be one of my disciples you can share the yoke with me in lamentations he says it's actually a good thing for that process to start when we're young um and for us to begin to um learn the ways of god see when when um back in the olden days when yokes were a thing and they ploughed with oxen you could have a single animal ploughing a field or you could team two up together and then they would have a piece of wood that went across their shoulders and um fixed onto the drawbar of the plough or the wagon or whatever and those oxen were yoked together by that yoke and when they had a new animal they used to um, harness it up and yoke it up with an experienced animal and Jesus is saying come on let be be yoked up with me and let's do this together let's be shoulder to shoulder in this ministry and uh, do you know what I believe young person new believer God is Jesus himself is inviting you to be yoked in 
shoulder to shoulder with him to move forward and to learn from him how to live this Christian life and how to do ministry and all the adventures and everything else that he wants to give us. But it's like there's a process where we're not, if we're yoked up with Jesus, if you keep the metaphor going of the oxen, you're not out in the field roaming free doing whatever you want to do. But there's you've we've come into a kind of obedient, submissive relationship with him. And we've we've settled our hearts down that actually roaming free out in the field and sticking our head through the fence and do whatever it is we think oxen should be doing is actually way less fulfilling than being harnessed up to him. And actually there's something about going back to that purpose of our lives is something about our life takes on a meaning and a purpose when we're harnessed up with Jesus and we're we're moving forward with him. Right, he in Jeremiah 15, who's the same guy who wrote the book of Lamentations, which is a sad book, Jeremiah is prophesying about the downfall of Jerusalem and it's a very it's quite hard to read. But Jeremiah talks about his calling and how God got hold of him. And he says, do you know what? I did not sit alone. I did not sit. Sorry. I did not join with the revelers. I sat alone because your hand was upon me. And that's a really, really interesting verse. You can look it up. Jeremiah fifteen seventeen. I did not join in with the revelers. I sat alone because your hand was upon me. And I remember when I was at art college in Sheffield and it was a cold winter's evening. It was dark and dreary and I'd been working a little bit late in the studio and I came down the staircase to go out the front door. But at the bottom of the staircase was the student union bar and um, in there was a party going on with the sculpture department and they did know how to party. They really did. They didn't have any, they just had no boundaries. So it was all going on and they'd been drinking for a few hours. And as I came down the stairs and passed the doorway to the bar, this young woman who I kind of knew she was quite an attractive lady and particularly at that time of night when I was feeling a bit lonely, she was very attractive and she wrapped herself around me and said, oh, Paul, stay, 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 you know, and I'm like, I want to, I want to, I want to, no, I mustn't, I mustn't, I mustn't, you know what I mean? And it was like, I didn't, I didn't let her know that I wanted to because that would have, but I, I just said, no, I'm really sorry, I've got to go and sort of peeled her off and walked out the door into the dark night and then walked home by myself to my where I was living and it wasn't a great place to be living either but it was just that sense that I knew that even then God had his hand on me I knew that his hand was on me and on that occasion I would have to forego the party and I'd have to forego whatever that girl might have had in mind and Often I've wondered what my life would have been like if I'd have followed that avenue. I don't think it would have turned out quite the same somehow. But can you see what I'm saying? So I sat alone because your hand was on me. I didn't join with the revelers. And on that occasion, I did not join with the revelers. I'm not saying, look at me. Aren't I great? I was so strong and godly. I actually was kind of sad all the way home, to be really honest with you. But... 
in now looking back I'm just so grateful that somehow God did keep me and I did have enough sense of identity and purpose to know who I was and that that was not going to be the way for me so sometimes and I think early on in our relationship with God if we're really serious about friendship with him we'll realize that there is a price tag and that it means that some of the things that other people choose to do we find ourselves having to choose not to do it and do you know what that that there's a fancy word for that a theological word for that is called holiness and we choose that that what it means really is being set apart for him and so young person new believer or someone any stage in our christian lives really our relationship with god it is kind of predicated on holiness it means that we're the foundation of that friendship is that we will set ourselves apart somehow to belong to him in a really really special way but let's splash out with the gifts of the holy spirit let's step out let's not be passive let's not it all be sitting down in isolation and introspection and trying to kind of write meaningful things in a journal let's actually be both let's be reflective and contemplative but let's be adventurous and creative and get out there and say come on then lord let's see what you would do if i pray for this sick person let's see if you'll give me a prophetic word let's see if you'll give me um some word of knowledge to bring to my family or to church on sunday or whatever it is so there you go let's that's let's just step out and put god to the test but set ourselves apart for him from the earliest possible time from now really so lord jesus we want to be your friends we want to belong to you we want to be set apart for you and really understand that holiness is not kind of creepy weird voices but it's actually um a beautiful thing it's like we give our hearts to you to belong to you exclusively so lord jesus that's what we want is we want to begin that journey of friendship with you amen god bless you everyone have an amazing day If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.